Hi, this is Pastor Zach, uh, and in our class this week, we uh, actually started by watching uh, a couple of different clips of uh, street evangelism, using a method where the one doing the evangelizing uh, walks someone through the law and uh, just helps to show them, using the law as a schoolmaster, which is the second use of the law, uh, to show them their need for a Savior and then to extend uh, Jesus' offer of salvation and, and uh, call the sinner to repent and put their faith in Jesus, even as we, by God's grace, have been given that privilege to repent and uh, hold fast to Christ as our Savior. Uh, and so we, we watched these things uh, because we've been talking about the law, and uh, then we discussed them. So I'm going to play—we uh, watched three clips. I'm going to play one of them here. Uh, it's my favorite one. It's called Seal Beach Kid. It's from the 90s. The others were more recent, and I'll put a link to, to that video uh, on the class notes page so you can watch it if you would like. Uh, but here is uh, first just the audio of uh, one of those clips and then the audio of the class. Thanks. I hope this uh, is helpful to you, and Jesus loves you. Can you name any of them? Um, yes. Thou shall not murder. Thou shall not steal. Thou shall not commit adultery. Thou shall not... Oh, hold on. I, I know. Yeah. You know a few. Yeah, I know. Now, do you think you've kept those Ten Commandments? Um, yes. Have you ever told a lie? Well, at some times, you know, most every human does. So you broke that one? Yes. So what are you called if you tell a lie? A liar. Have you ever stolen? No, sir, I haven't. Even something really small. Be honest before God. Well, I guess a little stuff. Like, okay. maybe like a piece of gum or something. Oh, just a piece of gum. So what does that make you? Like, oh, a stealer, I guess. Thief. Thief. See, the value of the thing you steal doesn't make any difference. If I open your wallet and just take out $1, it's as bad as taking out $100. I'm a thief. Now, Jesus said if, you, if we look at a woman and lust after her, we commit adultery with her in her heart. You ever done that? Um, no, sir. You've never looked at a woman with lust? Um, well... Your friend over there is laughing at you. He doesn't think you're speaking the truth. Well, I mean, yes, I have looked at a woman, you know. So you've told another lie. All right? Yes. So you've really blown it, haven't you? So you've broken three commandments. We've only looked at three. We haven't looked at the other seven. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Yes, sir. Instead of using a four-letter filth word to express disgust, you've taken the name of the God who gave you life and used his name as a curse word, which is called blasphemy. So on Judgment Day, when God judges you by that standard, are you going to be innocent or guilty of breaking his commandments? I'll be guilty of that one. Do you think you'll go to heaven or hell? Um, well, I think, I think I'd probably go to heaven in the sense that that's, that's one thing that from now on I'll try to improve myself in. That God might forgive me for all my for the sins that I've broken from that. So, do you think God should let murderers and liars and thieves and adulterers into heaven? I guess not. So you're in big trouble. Really, you're heading for hell, aren't you? Yeah. Does that concern you? Yes. Yes, it does. Because there's nothing more invaluable, valuable than your life, is there? Would you sell one of your eyes for a million dollars? No, sir. Your eyes are precious to you, aren't they? And they're the windows of your soul. Your soul or your life looks out those, those eyes. Now, Jesus said, you're to despise the value of your eye compared to the value of your soul. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it's better to enter heaven without an eye than go to hell with both your eyes. Now, do you know why Jesus died on the cross? Why he did? For, uh, for sinning. Sinning? Well, he died for our sins, for the sins for of the world. 
of everybody around the world by you know, sacrificing himself for everyone else. Now, do you know how to uh, partake in that gift of salvation? Do you know what you should do? No. Well, if you were on a plane and you knew you had to jump and there was a parachute under the seat, what would you do? I would take the parachute. Put it on. You wouldn't just believe in it, would you? You'd put it on. Yes. That's exactly what you have to do with Jesus. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to repent. That is, turn from your sins once and for all and put your faith in Jesus the same way you put your trust in a parachute. The moment you do that, the Bible says you'll pass from death to life. You'll come out of darkness into light and you'll receive God's gift of everlasting life. Much of Christianity today is attempting to appease, we're going to talk about this a bit, because of the way Felix and Festus handled some things uh, in, uh, in big people's church. Uh, the, there's a tendency to try to appease people by saying, you know what, it is all about grace, let's just talk about grace, let's not talk about sin, let's not talk about repentance, let's not talk about damnation, let's not talk about anything you know, the stuff that Jesus spent a big chunk of the pie graph in the Gospels talking about, just the stuff that, and, and I mean, do you guys, who, who saw the Amazing Grace um, History and Theology of Calvinism class, video class we did, or watched it on your own? Yeah. You were there. Uh, there was a great scene where this guy dresses up as a doctor. And he goes, he's very corny. He reminds me of the guy with all the question marks taped to his coat who used to be on late night TV trying to sell you like all these ways the government's got money that you don't know about. And he, and he goes running around on the street saying to, he's got like uh, a syringe. He doesn't have it out because people would call the cops, but he has it like in a case or something. And he's running around and he's like, hey, I've got it. I've got it. I've got the, the cure. And they're like, to what? He's like, to, to, to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It's right here. All, all you need is to put this in your arm and inject it and you'll be better. And they're, he's like, what? He's like, it's a kind of cancer. It's one of those deadly kinds of cancer. I got the cure. And they're like, I don't, I don't have cancer. And they, and they kind of back away in a very much the same way that if someone just walks up and says, you know, Jesus loves you. Come to church. You, you know, he can save you. They're just like, I don't need any of that. You know, I remember there was a Huey Lewis song I wasn't allowed to listen to because it went out of its way to say, I don't need to be born again. Uh, it's kind of everyone's default thoughts in their, in their sin. And then they have a scene in which you find out the guy's actually a decent actor. And uh, he's in a doctor's office. And there's a guy there who's the patient. And he says, it's bad. It's called non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Here are the statistics. And the guy's like, oh, my gosh. What, what is the prognosis? And then he says, good news is we just recently found the cure. And it's right here. And it's in this vial. It's right in front of you. Do you want it? And the guy says, yeah, I want it. And it's a little bit on the nose, but I think it's a good illustration of if you don't show people their need for this thing, they're not going to, I mean, it's basic marketing for that matter. If you don't tell people, don't show them that, I mean, look at all these um, things online with like uh, people can't figure out how to open a milk carton and they're like, oh no, milk's everywhere. And they're like, you need this milk opener. You got to show the need before people will want what you're presenting. Uh, yeah, Alex, I'm curious, and, and Sam, since you guys, what? Why are you looking at me like that? Like, don't put you on the spot? It's not that kind of, it's not that kind of church. Of course, we're going to put you on the spot. There's only like 14 of us in here. Since you guys, um, <laughs> how to phrase? Um, since you guys were saved more frequent, more recently than, than, uh, 
Frequently. Yeah, I was, I was saved more frequently than anybody here. I went forward every time. Uh, since you were saved more recently, um, and, and I don't know, I, I imagine you as the Audi's equivalent of like the 90s Seal Beach kid. Uh, your angst taking a more era appropriate uh, thing, but, and someone who had struggled with, you know, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Do you think, because I know you weren't, you weren't saved uh, by that kind of presentation. Do you think that would have been effective with you? No, no not, not at all. Not, not, not on an average day. What about on a day like if, if your friend that you called, and if you want to hear Alex's uh, testimony, it's on one of my podcasts. These go to 11, a uh, whole hour of it uh, in discussion. It's great. Um, if you called your friend and he was out of the country or something, and the next day somebody had walked up, and done something like this. Do you think it still would have kind of turned you off? And yeah, because I didn't think there was a level of trust there at all. And 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 maybe it's like a generational divide. But mm-hmm. you know, I think that I think that there'd really never be a situation where like a millennial would be comfortable with someone coming up and talking to them. Except the yeah, first video clip. With the camera, I don't, I don't know. Know. That was from January 2, 2020, the first one. But okay. <laughs> so, so no, not not so much. And, and someone having sh- what shown that they have a true interest in you, and you're not just a mark or a contestant or something. Yeah, because because like along with being let along, right? Like 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 just like listing off rapid questions and things like that. It's like well, right? You're just trying to get me to say something mm-hmm. so that you can capitalize on it. Because at the end of the day, yeah. it's just an equation. Just like a math equation, you just get them to say, "Okay, this is where we're going." And then, but if I already know that that's your worldview, yeah, I mean, I'm just admitting that, but I don't believe that anyways. Yeah. Because if they, because both the girls already had to believe in some kind of cosmic energy or some kind mm. of right and wrong or some, you know, if you don't go into the conversation believing any of that anyways, just like blatant nihilism, there is no right, there is no wrong. There is nothing bigger than what you see. Right. So yeah, none of those other arguments other really carry any weight at that point. Then, you know, uh, yeah, so. Sam, you're a unique person apart from your husband. What about you? <laughs> I think I would have been more like the Catholic girl. I think I probably would have, you know, someone would have approached me and actually had a conversation. Um, I think I, you know, actually would have thought more about things because growing up, all I had was I went to church probably five or six times my entire childhood hmm. and so I never really had any sort of real sense of who I was who I didn't know who Jesus was or what he did on the cross or anything about that what I knew was what my mom told me which was if you're a good person you go to heaven that was that so I think if I would have actually had someone who had an honest conversation with me it may it may have actually you know changed things and made me And then, if that had happened, and that is the way by which God saved you, suddenly someone that Alex does trust and knows would then be able to talk with him in a longer thing. So, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's worth the, it's worth keeping in mind if you are able to bring up the law. Jesus had that instant insight into people. So you know, he's like that guy's thinking this about her right now. So he could use the law to just immediately draw a bead on that one thing. Most of us don't have that. That's a good point. So that you do have that with your close friends. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are able to know what they're thinking about most things. Yeah, and when they're trying to pull a fast one on what they believe you know, and what, yeah. yeah. True, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of believers tell me, you know, I've been a Christian 20 years. All my friends are Christians. It's hard to share my faith. Do better at that. Don't get into a bubble where all your friends are Christians. Or, and, and, and they're not. You belong to some kind of organization or club or neighborhood group. Or you, 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 If you thought about it, there's just people that you have, for whatever reason, filed away as, well, not them, probably, and not them. There's not any good, good people for me to talk to. There's always a reason not to. I think it's also interesting that most, most of those videos that I've seen, the people he's talking to are already familiar with the Ten Commandments, the Bible, Jesus. They don't necessarily know what it all means, but they're already familiar with it. I think that you do have that less now with young people than mm-hmm. you would have yeah. you know, in the 90s, where people at least grew up going to church sometimes and, and heard some things. And, and it was more in just culturally around. Right. So I think it's, it would be interesting to see some videos with people who have zero um, experience with that or and it, uh, like a really antagonistic view of it because of... I mean, they're out there. I guess, I, 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 maybe I'll bring one of those next week, a short one. This has yeah. gone really long, but I think it's an interesting conversation because the, the use of the law uh, is very central to where we are, I think, in, in, at a crossroads in the church right now. Uh, and, you know, when you talk about, like, it, when we were growing up, if you weren't in a family that went to church, was in some sense religious, I mean, you were almost certainly Polish Catholic growing up in Bay City where we did, but if you, if you weren't, you had a friend who was. And if you stayed the night at their house, you went to church with them. I mean, I, I have been, you wouldn't believe how much mass I've had. And I'm not talking about uh, having lost any weight. I'm talking about how many times I've gone to mass, man. Um, and I didn't even know until I was like 12. I wasn't supposed to go up and take it. So uh, <laughs> everyone was doing it. And I believed in Jesus, and I saw my classmates who didn't do it, and I'm like, well, I'm doing it. Um, but, but yeah, so these days I think it's weird. If you maybe have one person in your class or two who's like the religious kid. Is that accurate? And, and everyone else is like, nah, we don't need that. So it's a, different, it's a different situation now. And it's easy to say, well, it's, how do we, it's, it's, it's a, just a problem we'll have to put in God's hands or something. Yeah, we don't have that option. It takes one generation to lose the gospel. It takes one generation of parents to say, I assume even though I spend two and a half hours a week with my kid and they spend 17 hours connected with their friends different ways and, and downloading from the culture that they're going to choose to carry on my views on things and they're going to seek them out and they're going to stay involved in church. You gotta, we've got to be intentional about this. So the, the law, I... I, I I'm going to admit something for the world, I guess. I prefer Luther's way of doing the catechism, where he starts with the law. To me, it models for us some truths. Now, at least this one starts with, what's the chief end of man, and you've blown it. Heidelberg is like, listen, precious snowflake, come here. What is your, what is your only hope in life and in death? <laughs> I'm kidding. I love the Heidelberg catechism, too. Um, we have a few minutes to talk about the rest of the first commandment, so let's bang that out. Uh, we were talking about 
two different, speaking of Luther's catechism, Luther's small catechism says, what, rather than what is required in the first commandment, it says, what does this mean? We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And our Baptist catechism boils it down to, we should know and acknowledge, worship, and glorify God accordingly as the one true God. Um, and so we need to know him, acknowledge him. Those two things are certainly linked. They have the same root, um, but they're not the same or they, they wouldn't be separated. Uh, what, is it, what does it mean to know God better? How, how do you know him better? If you want to set about keeping this commandment and you accept this ex explanation of what it means. going to have to read about it. Now, what about someone who says, I know God. I don't just know about him. I don't just read about him. All these people reading their Bible. I really know him. I have, I, I have you know, I feel him. I have experience of, you know, just his presence. I, I know him. All these religious people know about God. I know God. What, what, what do you think? Is, is it possible to get deeper and deeper in knowing God in like the biblical sense of, of relational knowing without knowing more about him and reading? No. Why not? What you're doing is just making him more and more into what you want him to be. Mm -hmm. And people, people avoid scripture purposefully because it <laughs> says things that they don't want it to say, and they, it's easier to create a God of your own making than to believe in some of the things in scripture. There are definitely things that I wish weren't true, mm -hmm. but I have to believe them because I put that in authority over my feelings and beliefs. Yeah, and I've often uh, parroted Michael Horton, who goes on these tangents about this, where he says, imagine someone who ta is talking about their wife, and you say, tell me about your wife, and he says, oh, well, she's so wonderful. We go on these long walks together and hold hands, and my heart starts pounding in my chest, and and it's just wonderful to hold her, and I'm like, okay, a little too, <laughs> too much too soon, man. We just met. No, tell me about her. Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you mean by that? No, her, her what, what is she like? What does she enjoy? What's, what does she do for a living? Tell me about her. Uh, I don't know that stuff. I just know her. I know her. I don't know about her. It, it wouldn't work. We know. We see it on a human level. Uh, and, you know, the absence makes the heart grow fonder, of course, uh, but it doesn't make you know the person any better. Uh, you don't get to know them better by being apart. You get to know God by being in his word. That's how he has chosen to reveal and disclose himself to us. And, and I think with those personal relationships, the more you don't know someone, like you can easily build somebody up in your mind or you can get angry with somebody that you don't really know because you're concocting all these scenarios in your mind. Mm -hmm. Like if you're away from, like you started dating somebody and then you were away from them for years and you didn't have contact or something like that, or like they were off to war, you could definitely create a person in your mind that was nothing like the real person. Internet dating is like that. Really? I mean, you see the, the picture on the phone and you go, swipe left, swipe left. You don't know anything about that person? Lisa, do you use Tinder? No. Let <laughs> oh. <laughs> me just say publicly, I am not interested in dating anyone. Okay. I'm not interested in you know, pursuing that because if you're going to date that, it requires you to continue. Yeah, and and if you if it was going to be meaningful, it wouldn't be quick little like does this person elicit a immediate? It would be yeah, it'd be some really getting to know. At least you'd have those corny like VHS video things. You can find those on YouTube as well. 
hilarious of people trying to be smooth in like 1986. Like, well, I take you on my ski-doo. Um, <laughs> let me suggest that the difference between know and acknowledge here is kind of an internal and external thing. Uh, you can't really be a believer and be saved and not acknowledge Jesus before men. He was so clear about that to the point of saying, you are ashamed of me. Guess what? There'll come a day when you want me to own and acknowledge you and I'll be ashamed of you. Uh, how does this stuff relate to Romans 10, 9 and 10, which says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. I said, how, how does that relate to this, this notion of knowing God and acknowledging him to be the only one true God? And our God. I love that they separate that apart. I think a lot of people have acknowledged him to be their own, the only one true God, but not their God. Just like in that video, he made that one chick start saying, I, and yeah. not yeah. me or people, it's me. Well, I think, unless this is a trick question, it's I not. think it's really obvious. <laughs> Knowing would be believing in your heart, uh -huh. confessing with your mouth would be acknowledging. Yeah. So, so that's how we're saved. And that's tied to the first commandment. Uh, what is it telling us we must do by saying not to have any other gods before? And we have to acknowledge him. And, and of course, that's what people uh, have meant when they say, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't use that language much because it's not in the scriptures, and I think it can make it seem, especially in our super narcissistic culture, like everyone gets to craft their own thing. And I don't need church, and I don't need your confession, and I don't maybe even need your Bible. Uh, but it must be personal faith. It can't be some group faith you've tapped into or some parent's faith you've inherited. It must be, it must be yours. You must own him as the one true God and, and acknowledge him as your God. Uh, now, how might you turn this into a positive so that it doesn't start with no. um, a positive <laughs> command? Would it be the way um, the Ten Commandments actually start? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt? Because like, that's a positive saying, I am. But it's not a command. Turning this into a, a positive command. Well, Did you say love the Lord with all your heart? What did he say, the Samaritan? Didn't he say it? Yeah, that was the sum of the law, of all the law. And certainly the first commandment kind of, we talked about, nests the others. Uh, what do you think of this idea as, as being a positive uh, restatement of the first commandment? Jesus, quoting Deuteronomy 6.13, uh, in a casual conversation with uh, Satan, <laughs> Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And he hits on some of these elements here. Know and acknowledge, worship and glorify. Uh, worship and serve, of course, are words that are intrinsically tied together uh, in, in the biblical languages and, and in our world today. Worship, service, we're getting together to worship and serve God. Uh, or what about First Corinthians, or First Chronicles, rather? First Chronicles 28.9, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, 
he will cast you off forever. So knowing and acknowledging internal, external, what about this worship and glorify? This is a big question for having five minutes left, but what, what is worship? What is it? It's a real basic. What does it mean? Worship. Okay. What's the word it comes from? Worthship. In the English, that's the etymology, worthship. Declaring his worth. And so it would be tied also to glorify, right? Which would be to uh, try, try to lift him higher and try to heap more glory on him than he already has, even though he's already at infinite capacity. That's what we do. We try to, you know, we lift, up, we lift him up in our presence. We lift him up as he's already lifted up as the one true God. We lift him up as our God. Uh, and, and yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good definition, I think. What about serve? And, and, and what do these things look like uh, if we're in everyday life saying, I worship God and I serve him. It's not Sunday. Go on about my life. Otherwise, it's too easy to just say, well, you just go to church. Everything that you do then is because God put you here. It is because if you accept that he is guiding you, then what it is that you do comes from him. You know, even in your work life, when you spend a third of your life doing, you have people around you, you're going to treat them as if God told you to treat them that way. I can't tell you. I know what I mean. I think I know what you mean. You make it, now make it pretty. No, no, why don't we, why don't we, we will talk, we'll pick up with that next time. Uh, and, and then in the first five minutes, uh, finish the first commandment and get on to the, the second. I am going to ask, uh, what is forbidden in this command? You could cheat, and, and I know most of you will do this as soon as you get home, before you eat lunch, uh, and look at the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which the, the Baptist Catechism is based on. For some reason, the Baptist divines were like, we don't need that question, and, uh, and left it out. But uh, what, what does it forbid? If it's, it's a negative commandment, uh, there's four things listed that it forbids, uh, and the last one, here's a freebie, segues us into the second commandment. Uh, so that's, that's a question maybe to think of. In the first commandment, we've talked about how it would sound positive, worship God only and, and serve Him and love Him. Negatively, there, it, is, it is a you shall not command. What exactly specifically is, is forbidden here? Uh, and let's go to the Lord now in, in prayer. Lord, we pray, we pray right now for Seal Beach Kid and the two young ladies on the video that, that said they would think more about the gospel and the law and uh, what your son Jesus did for them. And we pray, Lord, that if they haven't come to faith, that you would be working in their lives right now and uh, that you would lead them into another conversation, another relationship uh, with someone who could uh, take some time and, and get to know them and, and help them uh, to, to wrestle with these things. And Lord, we pray they would come to faith and, and, and repent and believe and, and begin to uh, serve you with their, with their very lives. And, and we just thank you for uh, the kind of boldness that leads many uh, to, to go out and, and proclaim the gospel, even to perfect strangers. Lord, we pray that we would have the faithfulness 
that we would be ready, always ready to give an account, an answer, an apologia for our hope that lies within us. Always ready to proclaim the gospel in season and out of season, when it's easy, when it's hard, when it's popular, when it's not. And that, Lord, we would not uh, circumcise the gospel and leave the, the law behind because it is more palatable to the world. That instead we would do what we see in the scriptures, which is to, to say there is a law, a perfect law, because there is a holy God. You have broken the law. We have broken the law. And what hope is there for sinners like us? And, and together to celebrate, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ, who gives us the victory, who's died and rose again for our justification. We thank you and praise you for that, and we will never stop. In your holy name we pray. Amen.